Coming up on episode 49 of the Upful Life podcast. Yeah, it's just been such a charged time, and I feel like we've grown so much during it just because we always just try to, you know, be a Zeitgeist band, you know, like just feel all the feelings of the crazy world we've been living in and uh, kind of pour it into different molds you know encompass the whole spectrum of emotions you know right in the middle of nebraska it's up for life with dj began right now we're doing a live interview from the road trip well you know i just so we say begins oh up for life Live and direct, Friday with Daddy Shine. Yes, yes. I'm a bozo. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I thought you had You recognize it. I like that. Yes, indeedy. Welcome to the Upful Life Podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz, and this is episode number 49, coming to you live and direct, once again from Margate City, New Jersey. And yeah, I've been hanging out, riding waves, soaking it all in before we head back to the bay in just a little while but let me tell you we are so grateful you are tuning in I did, you know I think I crossed the line with you know my real life and Omar's uh, 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 fictional life but I had to you know I learned now how to how to separate the fictional world from my real life but it, it was a, it, the lines got a little gray because I, I was a little green in, in the early process of that well he, he may say that he was green but Michael has contributed two of the most iconic characters in the history of American television with Omar and with Chalky White. What we are actually getting to witness in his young career, we're going to see a lot more, is like one of the great American actors giving voice and giving flesh to uh, characters that most people would have never given the same humanity to of giving, uh, opening a window to a world of men that we pass by or don't know about. It's one of the most innovative portrayals on television uh, in, in our generation, and I, it was an honor, an honor for me to even share the screen with him. One of the greatest moments I've ever had in my career was the scenes that I did with Michael. He's a very special man, very special artist, and what artists to the community, thoughts are to the individual, it's the place where we reflect on who we are, and he has opened up a window of reflection to people who may pass people on the corner that they would have never given humanity to, that he has made people think twice and give humanity to these men, and that's 
classic American television history right there, Michael K. Williams. Before we start things off here on episode 49, I wanted to take a moment and just honor the life and times and art of the late, great Michael K. Williams, best known for his dynamic portrayal of Omar Devon Little in the HBO series The Wire, which is hands down my favorite TV show and really my favorite uh, filmmaking medium, if you will, or favorite effort in that medium of all time. And I I mentioned it in the same breath, The Grateful Dead and Lettuce and D'Angelo, all the things that bring me joy in this life through art. The wire's right there, though it is a, a demoralizing and ultimately harrowing depiction of modern American urban decay. It is at once a beautifully human examination of how and why things are the way they are. Just small slivers of humanity. That was best illustrated by the Omar character. And I wanted to just play that snippet a red carpet interview with Wendell Pierce and Michael K. Williams. Wendell Pierce played Detective William Bunk Moreland, and of all Omar's incredible, breathtaking, thought-provoking, heart-filling, and terrifying scenes, I think the one that resonates most with me is the park bench scene with Bunk. I couldn't help but be particularly crushed that it was the fentanyl dragon once again who slayed a hero to me and to millions and millions of others. From Mac Miller and Prince and Tom Petty to the thousands of everyday people that we know in our own lives who have fallen victim to this similar fate. I mean, the opioid situation was bad enough before fentanyl came on the scene, but now it's just taking so many before their time and this one really really stings and uh, I was talking with Dave from Dopey Podcast you might remember him from his time on Upful Life Podcast and he and I feel similarly about The Wire and we're also both lucky to be alive and escaped that black hole of opiate addiction ourselves and then to see Michael K. Williams his life snatched it stings and i know i never met him and never knew him but millions of us felt like we did whether it was omar little or chalky white or myriad other 
roles he's played, large and small. Remember, he was like selling bootleg CDs in a Jay Z video before we ever met Omar. My man's been down. He's a Brooklyn institution representing Flatbush and Brooklyn BK, Brooklyn, Vietnam to the core. I re- just recently listened to Michael K. Williams on the WTF pod with Mark Murren back in the spring. He was sober and vibrant, offering a humble, salient perspective and was just brimming with optimism. It's hard to believe it's all over just a couple months later. The Fent Dragon Strikes Again. And we also, in my own family, experienced a seismic loss recently. And while they're in no way connected, it does bring to light the fragility of life. And that tomorrow is not promised for any of us. And more than anything, humans are flawed beings. I know I sure as hell am. So you just got to hug your peoples and tell you love them. Better yet, show them often. Even your heroes too. So I'll be keeping Omar Devon Little close to my heart for the rest of my days on this earthly plane. I will acknowledge that West Side Hoppers will rest a little easier moving forward. Oh, indeed. Just want to remind everybody, if you have the time and are so inclined, to please rate and review the Up For Life podcast on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice, but Preferably Apple Pods, because that steers the algorithms in this direction and delivers new listeners to the Upful Life podcast, and we appreciate that. You can also reach me directly, send an email, b.getz at upfullife.com. Any suggestions, vibrations, reflections, constructive criticisms, you name it, I want to hear it. b.getz at upfullife.com. And if you are interested in supporting my music media efforts on this pod and print medium, etc., you can do so at patreon.com backslash upfullife. Yes, indeedy. 
And we're back. Up for Life Podcast, episode 49. You're hearing the sounds of Movie Club. Super cool duo that I've only recently gotten hip to within the past year, really. Um, through their duo and through the guitarist, uh, Vince Cuneo is his name. I'm connected on social media and shot the shit about music for a bit in various posts kind of nonchalant and then uh, I came to realize he was a musician himself he had this duo called Movie Club and better yet in their earliest efforts they worked with and connected with Jesus Coombs from Lettuce so you know that grabbed my attention Um, big Lettuce House big Jesus Freak the Up For Life podcast, y'all know what it is. So, yeah, got my attention. Uh, but what really grabbed me was when I realized that they're this fully formed vision, uh, artistic, aesthetic, sound, visual elixir. Uh, just a rare breed. And, and they... They come from the lineage of great, you know, sort of incendiary duos, you know, and you can go back to Simon and Garfunkel or Rodrigo Gabriela or Benevento Russo or the White Stripes or the Black Keys. And yes, I am mentioning these relative upstarts in the same breath as those icons, not because... I feel like they're on par or anything that um, they could get that to that place. But no, just that their uh, confidence and execution as a duo is so dope and so them and so unique um, that it was just like a tidal wave of of yes <laughs> when I found Movie Club. And it's, and it's just a testament to how humble a guy Vince is, is that he'd been up in my music posts a million times and he really didn't push his shit until one day he's like oh yo this is what i do and then i saw the videos and i was just like holy moly uh they have created this really elegant voodoo occultish like uber cool yet not giving a fuck and like very antique yet super of the now and a big part of that is the other half of the duo, Jessamine Violet, who's a drummer. And she showed up to our Zoom interview uh, in sunglasses indoors for the whole interview. So you And I almost felt upstage because, you know, I'm Mr. Moonshades. I'm always rocking the shades, but I'm in my mom's shore house in her office with all these pastel beach scenes and plaques and awards around. I think I probably was wearing an Eagles hat and... Metallica shirt or some shit, but Jessamine looked so fucking cool just on the Zoom screen, and and her personality to match, and the two of them really just have a unique chemistry, uh, clearly musically, but also just betwixt them in their relationship and their partnership and their musical connection. All is just very uh, enticing and alluring and as I stated, dope. So they got together in fall 2018. They're out of Venice Beach, California. Movie Club. 
They got down with Jesus Coombs. They put out a bunch of EPs and a full-length album, Black Flamingo, which came out in 2020. And most recently, they just dropped their uh, EP, Fangtooth, in August, which is like 15 minutes long, and it's all killer, no filler. Um, They've worked with, I mean, a number of people. But uh, most notably, Tim LaFabe from the Wayne Kranz Trio and Tedeschi Trucks Band. Um, most recently, he did like five minutes in the Black Crows. And well, you can check them out at movieclubtheband.com backslash about. Check out um, their latest release, Fangtooth. And I also recommend Black Flamingo, which is from 2020. And just to be thorough, I think... Uh, Jesus Coombs appears on either Kraken or Hammerhead, which are two of their earliest EPs um, during their first year doing the thing. So, yeah, while Black Flamingo, the song wraps up, I'm going to tie this up. We're going to hear from Jessamine Violet and Vince Cuneo of Movie Club. It is uh, my honor and privilege to be sitting here with Movie Club, Jessamine and Vince, duo out of Venice, California, that I've gotten hip to Woo. relatively recently. So I just wanted to uh, welcome y'all to the Upful Life podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. So excited to be here. Yeah, you know, it took us a couple uh, tries to get the engine turned over. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Could be Mercury in retrograde or... Some forces at work. As you can see, I'm here at my mom's office down at the Jersey Shore. <laughs> so uh, a little far from home for me. You know, this is home, but currently home is the Bay Area, and you guys are down in SoCal. Yeah, we're so, both East Coast, too, though. Oh, is that so? Let's, let's pick that up. Let's start there. Where are you all originally from? I'm from Boston. I'm from about an hour south of Pittsburgh. Right on, right on. And how long have you guys been located uh, down in SoCal? Uh, we've been, well, I've been in LA since 2006. Uh, I've been here almost five years now. Right on, right on. And uh, as I understand, the, the duo Movie Club's been a thing since 2018? That's right. Correct. October. Right on. So, so let's start uh, with the now, and then maybe we can go back to the, the path there. Um, you guys just dropped a new EP. It's fantastic. It's called Fang Tooth. Thank you. Um, I love it. And I was lucky to get a, a bit of an advanced listen from Vince. So it talked about a little bit in the press release that the ideas, the energy, the the intention and the music itself was representative of, of how you all been feeling uh, during the pandemic and, and all the time you had on your hands. So I just wanted to maybe ask what you know, about your process, about your creativity, about your writing, uh, changed or evolved in that, you know, strange time? 
Yeah, I mean, well, the crazy thing was is once everything went down, uh, you know, our our release show was uh, shut down uh, in Hollywood, and it was just like, wow, we're releasing a record, we don't get to have a show, so we just hit the ground running and then recorded our full-length EP, Black Flamingo, and uh, then after that, you know, like, it was 13 songs, and it was a lot of energy and a lot of, you know... A lot of planning, recording, you know, we put it on vinyl. So then it was just like, you know, it wasn't a lull or anything, but it was just like, you know, kind of what, what do we do now? And, uh, and, um, then we, you know, it was just like, we started writing some more songs because, you know, another release show, uh, wasn't going to happen for our, our record release. Um, so we just started writing a bunch of songs and then how we always do is we kind of just what are the best songs right now? Because, you know, we had 10 or 12 songs and they were all okay. But then Jessamyn one day was just like, hey, like, let's pick the best songs, what what we would want to record. And that's pretty much how it went down. Um, other than Trapdoor, uh, which is the music, the, the one we recorded the music video for, that one kind of came like two weeks before we went to the studio. And it was just like, oh, this is... Jessamyn, I played a little riff. Jessamyn played this super shuffly fast beat, and we were like, we got to put this on the record. <laughs> yeah. I think the struggle all the time is, well, the challenge is to, yeah, em- emote through how we're playing our instruments and what we're playing on our instruments. And, uh, yeah, it's just been such a charged time. And I feel like we've grown so much during it just because... We always just try to, you know, be a zeitgeist band, you know, like just feel all the feelings of the crazy world we've been living in and uh, kind of pour it into different molds, you know, encompass the whole spectrum of emotions, you know, it's been quite a roller coaster, so. Definitely, definitely. And, and I think between the full length album from just a year prior and the EP, you can hear like a difference in evolution, a certain uh, shift to the the songs. Um, again, it's kind of new to me, so I can't say that I like had my thumb on the pulse of the whole journey, but I definitely hear, you know, a shift. And I find myself drawn to this sort of pensive uh, horror meets like almost... Uh, debutante nature of the music so unique and again like i felt like when i talked to vince first about i spit out all these like it reminds me of this and this and this and this but over time i've really come to realize uh it's it's a unicorn thing what y'all do and that's why i really wanted to discuss it because i'm a fan of duos you know love the benevento russo duo you know like in terms of two people making like a lot of sound telling stories through instrumental music not just wailing away with like solos and chops, but 
you know, storytelling of a, of a more minimalist and emotive nature. It's a really hard thing to harness, and, and it's a rare bird. And, and I feel like, you know, may you don't sound so much like them, but the intention and the energy and the sort of like straddling of virtuoso and like indie sensibilities, you know, is akin to one another. So I'm curious, uh, tell me about being a duo, the dynamics of, of that, you know, duet nature, uh, how you make so much sound between the two of you and and the advantages uh, of having such a tight unit. Yeah, I mean, I think that we both agree that um, the music industry is so trying and it's such a long, hard climb of a hill that if you can build your band as efficiently as possible and make it sustainable, that's the key because it is just going to take time. The oversaturated nature of the world, everything's taking longer and having less impact because there's so much you're like up against, you know? So what we really decided is, you know, build this thing from the ground up ourselves. We knew how each other operated and uh, we we come from very similar backgrounds influence wise and uh, it just seemed like a natural fit from the start. So rather than make it reliant on anyone else we said let's build this core thing that we can find together somehow and that's always just a gift from the universe I mean it's like sometimes you can play forever with someone and not find that core thing and we uh, were lucky to uncover it and I think a lot of it has to do with our pretty humble natures and just trying to you know do as much as we can with what we have so For us, we've had incredible speed and momentum because we built this project so sustainably and we have this ability to bring other people in without it being contingent on them being fully in, as fully in as we are, you know? Because that's what it always comes down to is like, you're only as strong as your weakest link or whatever. That's the thing, you know? It's like a lot of people just try to drag other people through the mud and, it's just dead weight and like you need to move fast you know so that's sort of what we were built on and it has been proving the right method really overall yeah i mean like like justin said you know it's just it's also like a challenge too because you have to we we're pushing ourselves as as much as we can while you know like like you said keeping it as minimalistic as possible the blessing has been, you know, from our first record, you know, it's like we were just going to record a record and we had no idea who was going to play bass or anything. And uh, we were down in Long Beach. Um, and this was after we met Jesus from Lettuce. He was like, hey, come to hang out down in Long Beach. So we went and hung out and he was like, oh, you guys need a bass player. I'll, I'll play in your record. And we were just like, what? You know, so that was a I mean, it was a huge moment for me, but it was so cool because it you know, the fact we didn't have a bass player that kind of opened up that window for that to happen.
then we just kind of been uh we just kind of been building on that so every time it's like you know we have a song and then we're like who can we bring in the mix then we have uh like our go-to bass player now is tim lefave from uh formerly of tedeschi trucks band played on the last bowie record um i was a huge fan of tedeschi trucks same kind of thing happened we needed a bass player and he was super cool and kind and he likes our music which you know for me again a huge moment working with some of these people that i've looked up to for years and years then on this recent ep jessamine brought in one of her friends david ralicky jessamine can tell you about him because he's just like a le- local legend yeah he he's i know him through being in venice uh for the last um seven or eight years um he plays all the horn and wind section instruments <laughs> and he plays with dengue fever normally and uh that's another thing that came out of the quarantine situation is that we got to work with these guys who are normally on tour and would not have the time um so we really maximized that with our guest um our special guests on the last two records yeah um but yeah that's what's super fun is that we don't want to be known as like just us you know it's it's like we always want to have conversations with artists in the scene that we admire and appreciate and uh who our me our, our music you know speaks to but in the meantime it's like you're if you're building a project you just you're only as strong as the as the people you work with. And I think every band should really focus on just working with the best people they can find to, to build what you have, because that's really what it's all about. And it's like Vince and I knew each other for a while and saw how each other operated in our other projects. And we knew that we were both the kind of bandmates we wanted to have. So it just was like, yes, let's definitely do something. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it has made all the difference. Wow, there's so much to unpack there with everything that you guys just said. So I'm going to start with the first part of the answer because there's a really thorough answer with lots of tentacles. So um, (laughs) when I asked about the duo, the first thing, Jessalyn, you started with was like sustainability. I just find that really unique building block first, not like how is it going to sound or who's going to hang, but, but can we actually do this economically, emotionally, like, and and how do we best set ourselves up for success with that? And with that came this sort of open door policy that allows for the collaborations. But at the same time, the unit is, is the duo, which makes it, you know, just leaner. And as you stated, uh, sustainable. I'm sure Vince knows this, but like, you know, this is a big lettuce house. And I love lettuce. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Jesus is a good friend of mine. And he's also such a tastemaker down there in L.A., kind of exists in his own universe musically, energetically. So I'm not surprised uh, that he found, uh, took a liking to what y'all do. Uh, Just vibe-wise, I just, it's a a nice connection. And then we talk about Tim. I mean, geez, you said it, the resume speaks for itself. And I go back to when I was uh, really young, in my early 20s, and my friends lived in New York City. I was living in Philly, and I would take the train up to shows, and he would play at this little hole-in-the-wall spot called the 5-5 Bar with Wayne Krantz yep. and Keith Carlock, yep. Steely Dan fucking vibes uh, 
they would just do this wacky sort of fusion jazz hard groove stuff and you'd see like donald fagan or even david bowie in there checking them out again for tim to take uh you know be keen on what y'all are doing and be like i want some i want in on that just speaks to you know it's high art you know and actually probably most impressed with your friend dave right when i was listening to the new shit I'm just loving the low register saxophones, like so moody and atmospheric. And it just lends these textures to the music that when I talk about evolution in sound, like perfect example from the last record to this one. That element completely changes the, the the DNA of the sound, and I love it. Same thing for the violins. Uh, really moody, really, again, like, uh, it's a textural thing, not like chops. And I think that it's harder to do that sometimes, to, to create that mood, that energy, that space. I, I love that, and I love that you... You know, mix and match whoever feels right for what. But I remember I had a conversation with Vince when we first started talking. He said, like, we try not, speaking about y'all, we try not to make music that we can't otherwise replicate just the two of us. Like, that we can't, like, get on stage or get go in the garage and make. So, I'm curious, because eventually, you know, when, when this nightmare has subsided a bit, I, I imagine you want to get back <laughs> You want to get back on the road. Uh, so uh, what's the, if you're, you know, without asking you how the sausage is made too much, uh, how are you going to navigate those soundscapes without the personnel? Yeah, I mean... Uh, all the songs are, like, born between he and I. So yeah. all of them, we we don't take it to the next level unless we have something, just the two of us in our room. So... Yeah overall like yeah if you've listened to the song a million times and then you hear us play live there are definitely parts that might be missed you know but eventually we hope to have the budget to fill out those parts on tour you know it's just better to wait until the budget is there than to try to scrape together and live and be beyond our means you know up front uh production wise and and amount of people on stage and whatnot because these are all amazing professionals who definitely deserve to be paid for their time and that's the thing is uh just getting to that point where you know we have enough demand that we can be like yeah we're getting david ralicky on tour of course like he was going to play our last hotel cafe show actually which was last week and that was going to be the first time that we performed with him live but uh unfortunately he couldn't do it he fell sick so you can't have a horn player yeah, with that. But the other thing too that's cool is is that you know that we had to navigate that, and uh, you know our first show we just played as a duo, and it was like, 
how are we going to do instrumentally are we going to be able to do this and people were like into it and we were you know brand new at doing it this was my first time playing in a situation like that um but i feel like we just get better and better at it too you know because it used to you know when we first started playing we'd hear hey where are the vocals like or hey like you know i could you know i could hear a bass player or something but uh i just feel like we get more confident and just like the like you know we talk about the power of two on stage people are just like into that you know what i mean it's like people are used to seeing that like they got used to it when they saw the white stripes um so but i think you know it's just like also some of these newer songs are just like a little more in your face and we have you know we have all kinds of different vibes and stuff but this one you know it, it just feels good when we play this whole ep live and uh yeah yeah people are a just lot like, of people yeah. comment on the chemistry between us live and how much people adore duos and i don't know it's it's there's something about that you know one-on-one -on -one yeah connection and, and everything and is... we play together so often yeah. that it's like we're glued we're glued to each other musically like when i wait an extra beat to come in on a hit or something you know vince doesn't even hardly have to look at me about it it's, <laughs> it's just like a jedi sense <laughs> yeah yeah you only can get that over time and and playing with each other and knowing one another's tendencies and all that but people you know try to attain that for their whole careers and don't so it is a blessing and a gift to have established that and i love that about the nature of, of the duo when you're talking about like Man, I think back to like Local H when I no was a kid. No way! Just we just revisited and, yeah. that entire album. It's so good. Oh, right oh, on. Oh, man. And just it was when I think of like the first duos that like blew my mind, you know? They're a and duo? Then, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't get to see them. Pretty pretty sure they're a duo. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm almost positive. Local H. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's hard to to like kind of really imagine other than like I said with Benevento Russo like a, a a duo in this sort of like I don't know quasi jam festival diaspora where the music is psychedelic and instrumental in nature um, yet like it, recognizable songs and hooks and emotions and it again instrumental storytelling is really is hard to accomplish and and that seems to be like your modus operandi so i wanted to maybe you talked about having the same influences before you came together like what were some that obviously doesn't have to be duos but uh some of the stuff that really you know connected you to i could ask about your influences all day and you could probably talk about them all for the rest of the time but specifically the ones that bonded you to or that you realize that, hey, this is something that, uh, you know, we want to channel or harness for our thing. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it is the 90s rock scene um, and hip hop scene. Um, I think a lot of it is 
kind of 90s in general, um, just because that was obviously the best decade of music ever. (laughs) (laughs) And if only we had been able to be musicians then. (laughs) They were cashing in back then. Um, But Yep, Local H duo. Just for the record, nice. how much did they take home? You know, what a smash album that was. People could yep. still. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's all good. That's good to know because, like I said, we were just re-listening. It's like every song is a banger. And I remember like learning some of those songs on my guitar and stuff. I was totally, totally down. Um, and I think all that uh, the hip hop and then some of the early two thousands, like Bonobo and. Uh, That was the thing is like, you know, we were, both of us have similar influences and stuff, but one of our big ones that kind of helped us make this decision was uh, Krungbin. Mostly instrumental band and like, you know, we're just listening to them on the beach all the time and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Um, But those guys definitely gave us the confidence to like, hey, I mean, these guys are selling out theaters in LA and I was just like, it's instrumental for the most part you know people are connecting to the instruments that was a huge one but like Jessamine said it was like you know, we're, we're not playing hip hop necessarily, but that's definitely going to come through. You know, we're just Tommy like, Guerrero, Tommy Guerrero. I love Tommy yeah. Guerrero. Skateboarder. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we were like, we, he, he played in Venice and we were like, we want to open for you. And, uh, but this is like when we fresh started, but um, yeah, there's just something about instrumental music and, you know, I never want to talk any smack on singers or anything, but for me, I'm just much more centered in on the instrumentation that I hear and anything that's simple too, you know, it's like, like you said, it's like not super choppy and like, trying to show off or anything we can communicate on very simple um melodies and beats um but another interesting thing is is that i started out playing as a drummer and jessamine starting started out as playing a, as a pianist so like just having those kind of different backgrounds and it's like i love playing with an amazing drummer because i played the drums first and jessamine like knows melodies and stuff and she'll be like oh i lo- what you play there i like that you know so yeah we wake up we'll listen to you know mellow piano music you know chopin and then we'll like dive into wu tang and then like 
end up with like you know psych rock <laughs> yeah you know you can hear the, the different influences in, in subtle ways I, I would almost think just like the classical is almost just like an aesthetic i i was trained classical pianist for my whole youth recitals all that and and yeah there's a certain aesthetic that is subtle um where i i feel that classical vibe nice if not like in the music so much as the aesthetic or even just the visuals which we'll get to but the things i really pick up on when you talk about hip-hop yeah there's there's a pocket there's like a boom bap nature to the rhythms um that speaks to me i want to just tell you how much i love the way the drums are mic'd this sort of like throwback it's really a 70s sonic thing real analog sounding drums uh like a like the type of stuff you would sample for hip-hop in 90s hip-hop that sort of Bob Power shit. I really think that, again, is very textural. And then I talked to Vince. I, I, I love the, the almost like Danzig meets Sabbath nature of the riffage. And it's not like super palm muted, aggressive, heavy. It's, it's sonically, texturally heavy. So along with the way the drums are mic'd, it gives the, the songs, the, the music, this analog sort of vintageness. But then again, the ideas the, is so of the now. It's so like avant-garde of like right in this minute. Yeah. <laughs> that it's, a del- it's like a delicate balance, you know, it's, to be vintage and to be avant-garde is, is a, you know, not analogous. But somehow you guys have been able to do that. And I think that's what makes the music so unique to me is it speaks to influences I'd never put together. Like, like, uh, you know, 90s golden era hip hop and Danzig. <laughs> love that. You know? yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah. But, or The Cure or Depeche Mode. Like a lot of the real sort of goth, doomy vibe yeah. stuff. But it's not, not all Dungeons and Dragons. It, again, it has that sort of classical high art aesthetic, which kind of takes it from the bros and, and make there's like, I don't know if it's a femininity or just a classiness. But it's not metal and it's not aggressive, but it is heavy and it is moody and atmospheric. And, you know, I'm here at the, my mom who lives near the beach. I'm doing a lot of surfing because there's hurricane swells and there's a surf rock nature to it. And then, of course, there is because you all are in Venice. Yeah. And the, the heritage, you know, from going back to Dogtown and all the surf skate culture and the sort of like punk rock ethos that is the lifeblood of that area. Somehow it found its way in too. Absolutely. So it's really this homogenized blend of like gumbo that that picks from all these different places and, and you make it your own. And I think that's why I love it so much, because like I said, different disparate influences that 
you know, different lunch tables in the cafeteria. Right. I love that. Totally. It's one of my favorite things you know? anyone's ever said about yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you for understanding right us so well. You know. Yeah, it's nice. You know? Gumbo. We love New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, we love God. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, another huge, like, area of influence for both of us. Same. Yeah. Same, yeah. I cut my teeth personally and professionally at Jazz Fest and Hell Carnival yeah. and all that. And yeah. Let's let's use that as the as the leap into the visuals. Okay, so like they say video killed the radio star, you know, I'm of the 90s, right? So videos, MTV was how I found out about the best hip hop on Yo MTV Raps cuz I lived in the burbs in Jersey. Yep. And then how did I find my favorite metal? I stayed up till midnight on Saturday nights for Headbangers Ball, 3 hours. <laughs> And then recorded it on VHS, watched it the whole next week Hell until the next yeah. episode. That's what I'm talking about. That was my about. life. That's what I was, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking so, about. So I remember the importance of videos, but that also became corny after a while with like Carson Daly and all the bullshit. And then eventually MTV just started, I don't know, showing like uh, Teen Mom right. around the clock. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> right, but I'm just saying all that to say, y'all have brought the... Uh, the art and ingenuity and intention back to the video treatment. Thank you. I'm not saying you alone, but I can't recall the last time I watched a video and said like, this enhances, this is like, makes it even better. I Usually it's like, I could listen to this and or watch the video, whatever. But with these treatments, it really gives the music, you know, more color, more legs and, and more imagination. So, also, I was reading, uh, I think it was like, here, let me pull it up. It was uh, an article about you guys uh, from this summer from a site I was unfamiliar with. I mean, it was called um, Psychedelic Baby Mag. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm, I'm all the way in now. <laughs> nice. But, uh, nice. But y'all got me there and, and you're talking about the, the video in Bombay Beach. Yeah. It was like uh, where burners go the other 52 weeks, right? So <laughs> before I read that, when I'm watching this video and I got the music on in headphones, I'm like looking at the different incarnations of y'all uh, in the video. And I'm like, I feel like these are the people I hang out with at Burning Man. <laughs> that, I stopped, that I stopped to talk to at Burning Man, the way you were dressed and the sort of, you know, psychedelic imagination. But again, that sort of, it's, it's part New Orleans voodoo occult vibe, but it also has this like steampunk thing. And just super cool. So... Where, where does that come in? Like whose ideas is, um, how do you go about, you know, dreaming up, imagining, executing the video treatments? Each video kind of is a combination between uh, a setting, like a location. We really want to base our videos on locations in general um, because music videos are Otherwise, you know, you're not going to get a lot of plot in there, you know, <laughs> so it's like, especially with no lyrics, we, we just want to find a location that matches the vibe of the song and do something playful and creative in that space. And uh, I have a long background in um, TV and film, worked on shows, movies, uh, I do the editing myself so I can think from that perspective as well. Um, and really we just pull ideas. Vince has ideas for style or location or some props and our videographer that we work with. We've worked with two, uh, three different ones so far. 
and uh, they all kind of bring their flavor to it and have their things. What we like to do is find someone who's passionate about the actual place that we're going or the thing that we're doing so that they want to add their, you know, ideas to the mix. And uh, for example, this trapdoor video, uh, Dustin Downing, our videographer, he was like, you guys got to do a, sh a shoot at the Salton Sea. And we had never been there um, before we showed up to shoot the video. So we only saw pictures online and we saw the aesthetic, the kind of ruined post-apocalyptic kind of doomsday artist thing happening like Burning Man. And uh, we were like, you know, it'd be cool is like if we contrasted like fancy outfits-ish, fancy-ish outfits with these kind of ruined aesthetics and then Dustin has this thing about drones and we talked about maybe bringing balloons in the mix. We had wanted to do something with balloons for a while. And Dustin was like, I've been dying to chase balloons with drones. And then we were like, there it is. Uh, and that's kind of what the whole thing came together. And then the idea for the reverse shots, you know, the name movie club comes from Vince and I's complete passion for movies. And, uh, we had recently rewatched The Rules of Attraction. Do you remember that film? Sure. Yeah, and you know, it was just one of those films you maybe saw once or twice back when it came out, but uh, they have these amazing reverse shots in it uh, that neither of us had seen anything the likes of before. And uh, so we were like, that'd be really cool actually do a whole video in reverse <laughs> yeah i know it's i mean like justin said it's a complete collaboration but it's so i mean the, the the most inspiring part about it is that a lot of these ideas come a day before the shoot or day the, of the day of or the week of i mean most of the shoots we do are the other crazy thing is that most of these shoots happen in a day so again we have to learn how to be efficient and get everything we want and have clear ideas or somewhat clear ideas of what we're going to get. Yeah. Another one, like our black flamingo video, I was like, Oh, black and white, like Nosferatu, like super dark vibes. And then, yeah. then for our, our moonbow video, it was like, what's the vibe of this video? And then I feel like Jessman was like beastie boys sabotage, you know? So we, it's just like us running around, like chasing each other in Venice, you know, in wolf suits and yeah. wolf costumes, you know? So, and then it was like, oh, wolf costumes. Let's watch some old cartoons. How did the wolf walk? Um, I don't know. It's just really funny because it's 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 super inspiring because it's just like you know, like you start with a blank canvas and then you start filling it in, filling it in, and uh, you know we have and it's funny because we have all these ideas and we film them and sometimes they don't work out, but we have so many different ideas that we get down that we we're gonna have something and our our songs are so short and Jessamine like. I don't know how she gets everything in our videos that is shot, but she's like an editing wizard. And I'm just like, I can't believe you did that in two minutes and 45 seconds. Well, nothing was done in, oh, you're saying <laughs> yeah, in the, the span. Yeah, of in the span of two minutes, <laughs> right. 45 seconds, Jessamine has a whole movie happen. <laughs> I love the, uh, I guess it's the backward shot. I never would have been able to put my finger on the technique, but you know how sometimes when you watch, uh, in essence, a silent film that's scored, an old film. Yeah. 
And the people just move in this way that's very like purposeful and curt and almost like truncated. Yep. Uh, it gives it a really old school, again, the aesthetic, but coupled with instrumental music. So you don't get any verbiage to nudge or or sort of like uh, dictate to you anything about the song. You're just getting these visual images and this music. And it's like this choose your own adventure thing where like you can interpret the happenings however you see it or feel it. It could be completely different than how you all dreamt it up. Totally. And, and again, that makes for like a great video. I remember how many times I would be like scratching my head trying to figure out like Guns N' Roses November Rain. What does it mean? <laughs> you know, like the, and it's the same kind of thing. You know, you're just looking at these images and there's a story happening with a soundtrack and you may get it and you may not. It doesn't matter. Right. Like you're there, you're in there. And that's what I meant when I said like bringing back the video treatment as like a, a, an asset to the work of art as opposed to just something to like get you to the record store. Yeah. Uh, that's obviously not what the intention is here. That doesn't really happen anymore. Curious, how, how long do you spend? You go out to the Salton Sea, is that a one day? You just squeeze in whatever you can into one day? That was us, us two and our uh, team of two videographers. And we showed up at the Airbnb trailer home uh, one evening. And then we shot that evening, went to bed, woke up, shot the entire next day, all the way up to like probably 1 or 2 a.m., and then we left the next morning. Yeah, it's like five different yeah. looks, <laughs> and we reshot one of the looks um, from the we first night. Yeah, we didn't get the quite the boost we wanted. That's impressive. Yeah. Again, it's that that comes back to some of the choices you made in the beginning about being a duo and and saying like, imagine trying to accomplish that in a, with a five person band exactly. and that amount of time on that budget. Uh, you you know, it's yeah, really forward thinking and again it's an asset like you're not limited by being a duo it's like it enhances and that's pretty cool um so yeah i think uh this would be a good primer for people that maybe are less initiated or unfamiliar with movie club where's the best way for people to find you on the interwebs yeah i would say our youtube like you said we just put so much time into doing our music videos and uh yeah it's i i think it's a fun way to start discovering our band but yeah i mean our website movie Spotify. movie club the com. you can get you can get everywhere to uh from there our youtube spotify instagram instagram all that fun stuff but yeah we just i mean we just try to keep the content coming out and keep people excited about it and keep ourselves excited about it so we haven't moved into the TikTok realm yet. No, we're though. not. We're not. You know, we're 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 still old. <laughs> what are you gonna to do? That. Instrumental? <laughs> <laughs> There's not, no instrumental really karaoke yet. <laughs> <laughs> and in talking about keeping it uh, exciting for everyone, uh, let's finish with what's in the pipeline. What uh, What are you comfortable talking about? What's next? I mean, Fangtooth is out, and people are stoked. Do you, do you have more videos coming on that record, or are you on to the next? Thing. Uh, well, we have a concept for Ghosts in the Machine. Um, we want to do. I love that song. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that one really deserves its own video, and it's going to be very horror esque. So you can uh, 
Nice. Definitely. We, we hope to get that done in the next few months um, before the end of 2021, hopefully. Uh, and and then from there, we're just, you know, it's the same cycle. We just got to stockpile material and figure out our next move and yeah, you know, play some shows. Yeah, you never know. I mean, if you know, that's the thing is like we 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 really believe in not forcing anything and you know with black flamingo we made 13 songs then we're just like we got to put all these on there fang tooth was like five and i was like oh we were like every song we feel great about so you never know and that's the thing is like um you know we've spent a lot of time pushing this past ep um so it's just like nice to be able to take a breather you know we want to be on tour right now but it is also good to kind of digest and see how you felt about that and then see what is going to influence us next. The tour seems strange right now. Yeah, touring is just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who knows? I mean, at least we've got this new music, and and all your music is going to be new to a fair amount of people who hear the pod, and I'm new to it myself. So, you know, we got some time to, as you say, digest all that you've given us already. And again, the videos are worth repeated views, and the music is the same and yeah keep us posted i'll put the links to your website and youtube in the show notes and then yeah we'll pick it up down the road as you guys do more and more but i'm stoked we got to chat and it's a long time in the making i appreciate you all listening to the show and of course you know all the music thank you so much for having us this has been so fun and you're an incredible you know you're incredibly articulate with your, you know. We're gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to talk with your assessment music. of our project. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of you to say that. I mean, you guys make it easy. You know, that's what I always take people when the music's good. It just comes naturally. You know. It no, just, it's like, so validating to know that that stuff is translating. And um, yeah, thanks to everyone who checks it out. I have no doubt that they will. And, you know, I like to think that I'll be like, be able to say, you know, I remember them when. <laughs> and y'all are fucking blowing it up. I'll be like, hey, had them on the show early. Hell yeah. <laughs> we we'll get it. you back. But yeah, we can geek out anytime, Vince. We can talk, uh, you know, all kinds of music stuff. All right. I hope to be doing this for a long time. But yeah, thank you again and uh, much love. Peace and love. Much love. All thank right, you. Talk soon. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Yeah, yeah. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Yeah. Chain. Yeah. Well, now let's go upstairs or maybe underground because the subways, they're on all over town. Whatever the outcome, so be it. I'm gonna do it. Yes, indeedy want to say large up and a deep bow of gratitude to Vince and Jessamine from Movie Club. Check them out. MovieClubTheBand.com You'll be seeing more from me about Movie Club in the future. Now shifting gears from the here and now to the classic. I present to you my conversation with legendary reggae pioneer Shinehead from about the middle of the summer. Uh, The opportunity arose to speak with him on behalf of UrbanMusic.com, the healing of the nations, 
And thanks to my good pal, Michael A. Uh, he hooked it up. You know, Shinehead from the Jamrock Cruises. And uh, he gave me a chance to speak with somebody who quite literally introduced me to reggae music. Um, Shinehead's iconic career has yielded an incredible, diverse resume of classic cuts, including staples like Jamaican in New York, Kali Weed, Chain Gang, which you're hearing in the background right now, Strive, Golden Touch, and a plethora of others. You know, his 86 LP, Rough and Rugged, crossed the dance hall with hip hop. It's a groundbreaking document that holds up 35 years down the road. And Shinehead's catalog is forever juicing sound systems and ghetto blasters across the globe. He's still livelying up the dance hall, and his music is forever streaming out of radios worldwide. Uh, with an uncompromising legacy in various genres of black music, I'm talking about hip hop, reggae, dancehall, R&B, and beyond. The unique musical and vocal styles of Shinehead have etched his name in the annals of music history. And music is one thing that Shinehead will talk about at length. He's a lifer. He picked up the microphone to toast a crowd for the very first time on July 5 of 1982 at a reggae dance block party in the Bronx. Ever since then, he's been a trendsetter. He's a leader, not a follower, though he is indeed steeped in the classics. Most recently, he's interpolated works from the great Stevie Wonder and the late Michael Jackson on Never Had a Dream Come True. And he's also uh, interested in touching other heroes of popular music like Curtis Mayfield's The Makings of You. And rumor has it he's got a little Marvin Gaye on deck. So we're going to hear all about that, past, present, and future, from the one and only Shinehead. When the opportunity uh, came about for me to speak with such a revered and important cat who's thrived around the world for three plus decades, it was a no-brainer. So thanks to Michael A. for hooking it up. And it was also a no-brainer that I was going to play the audio from the interview um, on the podcast. Because what you see on Urban Music has been uh, truncated and edited for length and clarity. Plus, I want y'all to hear Shine's voice. His just magical voice that has sung these glorious melodies for so many years just hearing him speak to me say my name all the above was just an absolute joy and you can feel his excitement and his zest for life just in this conversation so uh lucky for us we caught up with him in the car while he was traveling from new york city to la and he was actually in nebraska when we got him on the phone or on zoom and he was in a very upful mood and he was eager to revisit his expansive musical journey. So, yeah, that's what I had to say about Shinehead and the conversation that we shared back in July. And you could find that again, uh, urbanmusic.com, The Healing of the Nations. But now you're going to get the uncut version from the one and only Shinehead. On episode 49 of the Up Full Life podcast, I'm your host, B. Getz. Yes, indeedy. Halloween makes me feel fine. Blown up through the chalice to my mind. 
Real quick, wanted to jump in here before we start with Shinehead and apologize for the sound quality of this conversation. As you'll hear, we are recording it on Zoom while he's driving through the heartland of Nebraska. So I did my best with the EQ to tighten it up a little bit. Please bear with us. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, everything begets a good result. Get it? Yes, I do. And yes, indeed. Uh, how you feel, man? I feel great. I feel fantastic today. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to speak with you. You know, uh, you're a legend and you're somebody whose music's uh, touched millions of lives around the world. So Up for life! <laughs> yes, sir. Up for life, indeed. I just have to throw that in there. I don't have to throw that in there. Yeah, so my dear friend Michael, uh, he connected me with you. He's yes, I. very dearly of you and your wife, Diana. So I want to give thanks for uh, mm-hmm. connectivity and, mm-hmm. and just bringing people together to talk about, you know, your music, your legacy and, uh, you know, your message. And, and I, yeah, I thanks. Yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, maybe we start, you know, just with what you got going on now. I've been listening to some of your latest songs. Never had a dream come true, the Curtis Mayfield. So, yeah, let's talk about the new music. You know, reaching into yesteryear for classics, like you always do. What what about those artists, those songs, and those rhythms uh, called you back to uh, voice those records? It was a recalibration of sorts to call on substance to make new sub new original substance. So those musics and many like them, those are our old culture that's being forgotten. Those are musics, some of the many musics of substance. Now they're amongst many musics, some of which have no substance. So I call on substance to also help me make my original substance and stay substantial like those old songs, any good song from any era. Substance, good substance. Those are my axes. Yes, sir. I love that. And I, those artists are of substance as are you. So when, the, when, when we say right. soul, a lot of, thank you. When we say soul, a lot of us, losing it a lot of us don't got it no more not just soul in music but soul in your life in your how you deal with people some people aren't connected some people ain't even connected with themselves so yeah you got to reach for something of substance and something of soul figuratively and literally but more literally than figuratively because as you see technology selfie me 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 everybody done lost their mind and their <laughs> souls. So I reached back for some real soul, dat me up and straighten me and put go forth and make more soul and make my original soul and contribute to the world. Because the music nowadays, for the most part, is either about art, gal, gone, meaty, bad mind, or flossing. Now, the rascal you're doing flossing in these times, especially as a black person, when you're an endangered species. I mean, no, you know, 
priorities is upside left. So I'm going back to soul and substance begets. I begets soul and substance front up for life. Yes, yes Seen and overstood. Yeah, man. Those, cool. the riddle, all the riddles are aligned. <laughs> yes, I appreciate mm. that. I may yeah. be a joker, but it ain't no joke. You know, you mentioned about soul and substance, and I was listening to you uh, talk on the Wizology program a few months back, and uh, you were talking about you being a youth and, and showing up in Jamaica in 1967 from the UK. What, what was some of the music you were introduced to uh, at that age, at that formative age, uh, when you first left the UK and got to Jamaica? A whole lot of rock steady. A whole <laughs> lot of scat. A whole lot of calypso. And that calypso was sweet. It ain't like, it ain't like, all right, it's like how calypso turned soca and got whack reggaeton. So back then, I was getting all that one time. Plus, American music, white American music and black American music and Native American music, meaning those that were born here from millenniums ago, meaning meaning the Native Americans, meaning the gold brown people with the long dark hair, Mexicanos, Salvadorians, you know, like that. Zine, all those musics was coming to Jamaica even back then. And if you're a child, you're going to soak it up. I love sound. I love the sound of sound. I just love the notion of, I love sound, I love waves. And I especially love bass. So back then, I got everything at the right time. We talking, we talking before Jimmy Cliff, before the Whalers. We talking the original Rocksteady Skiadan, right? Honorable Sir Roy Panton, who only lives in Toronto. Control your temper. Sidebar, all sound people, voice Sir Roy Panton, for it's too late. He was before anybody. He put on every scout person you know of. Yeah, he's number one. So, yeah, like this, we get the one of that, we get Roy Panton, we get Lord Nelson, Lord Kitchener, all these people, Roy Shirley. I got him firsthand. It was all. Zinc is, you know, relatives, cousins, kids cross the street. You're going to hear the radio, the, the, the little white cricket radio. You listen to the cricket, listen to cricket, uh, Sabina Park back in the days. Yeah, we're going to tune into all that. It was beautiful. Got all of it. Then fast forward, got New York, 76, no, 72, then go back 76. Good music was still being made everywhere. Soak up all of that too. Mm. But back, back in Jamaica, though, it was always fought against, but it was what I wanted. Reggae music. Reggae music. Yes, sir. Reggae uh, music. Yeah, you talk about sound, and I was really uh, intrigued <laughs> and interested in your finding, I guess it was your uncle introduced you to uh, sound system culture when you were youth. Uncle Winston from Kingston, Ting Carl, Soul King Disco. That's the first time I'm seeing a sound system ever. To the point, Uncle Winston's sound system 
when his bass kicked in, red, green, and gold lights came on, Black. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to do that on my... I'm going to do that on my sound one day. I, for GP, for homage, you know what I mean? Yeah, put it right up. Yo, what? Yeah, and then <laughs> I saw some saw some Temptations album, Jackson 5 album, and that got me because the Jackson 5 album was little black boys that looked like me with big old afros. And they're smiling. They're looking like they're having fun. A few of them. And they look like they say, hey, come here. Come join us. Look like they moved to me. I'm a kid. I'm going to run with that. All right, Gets? I'm going to run yes, with sir. that. Please do. I'm I'm sticking to my script. So yeah, then went back to the countryside and you know in the banana walk, the banana orchard. Two older cousins. They talking their teenage business. I'm just a kid, but I want to feel like part of the social group of three. So I just chime in with any old shit. Hey, we can't sing. Get out of here. <laughs> okay, slide some feet back. Boss, I big old Jackson Five North Pond them. Oh, baby, can me what? Yo, they rolled in the banana trash. You hear me? Yeah. I said they rolled in the banana. That was my first forward. My first forward was in a banana walk. No that part there. So all who thinks they shine at city fight and Yankee fight. Ain't none of y'all get a forward in a banana walk. <laughs> Yes, I. That's great stories, man. Thank you. And and I, you know, because we can learn a lot from people like you because you lived it. Yeah, I mean, you're one of the rare people. You got roots in three three countries. You know, you're part of UK culture, part of Jamaican culture, part of the birth of hip hop in New York City. So you mentioned you landed in the Bronx. What was happening when young Shinehead uh, touched down in uh, the Bronx? Right right in the middle of the 70s was it still live music bands and stuff or was it sound systems oh yeah but it wasn't no young shine it was just a little carl <laughs> right figure this out yeah and the live bands was on before dj was was on and prevalent and djing kind of came up after because everybody was about their live band when i touched down in 72 my cousins my cousin dubbed me carlito and they had their band in my aunt's basement. I went away and came back in 76. They still got the band going. And there's bands everywhere. And there's street bands that we look up to. I joined a band with my cousin in my auntie's basement. I'm like third string bass man. So if first man and second man don't come that Friday, I get to play. See, you got to wait your turn. And you got to earn. You got to earn, burn, learn, and pay dues. You see? And yes. then the DJing started. We used to go down to Roberto Clemente State Park. We used to go down to Ro Roberto Clemente State Park in the Bronx, go work out. And while you pass, while on your way, there may be a jam in Cedar Park. Yeah. Or there may be a jam across town east. And it wasn't called hip hop yet. You know, they, they just, we just jamming. We just b-boying. We just b-girling. So it didn't have a name yet. And okay. I watch, watch it be, I was one of those who were witnesses, you know, of the birth, witnesses sure. of the birth and was amongst, was amongst the beginning greats, then the pioneers, then who are some of who are still alive today and was privileged enough to rock with some of the pioneers back then, you know, until we changed lanes and went over to Robot of World. People like Corn Crush for Church of Rust Street. 
this is me Starsky. Grandmaster Flash, Furious Five. Everybody packed up in the real, the real Harlem world. Red Alert. The real Harlem world. The place, the real Harlem world at that time. Yes, yes. Had the privilege. Had the privilege in the valley. Had the privilege in where else? Where? In lots of block parties in Brooklyn. Zine had the privilege on tour. And then in later years, I'm back in Jamaica with Run DMC and Fat Boys. Wow. Zine? <laughs> wow, was that like Sunsplash or something? Nah, that's just a one-off. That was just okay. that was just one, that's just one of the many one-offs, because yeah. Them did I rule at the certain man and certain woman did I rule at the time, and bridges were being gapped, were being crossed and crossed over like this. So you got fat boys, yellow man, yellow man run DMC like this. And then, you know, with collaborations come collaboratory tours. It was a beautiful thing. Still is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's history right there. And, and it's important mm. you brought that up because, you know, you were a pioneer of bridging those gaps. I mean, I've, I was thinking back, you're going to blow your mind, but I actually heard your music as a white boy in New Jersey in in 1980s i heard you before i heard bob marley you know i saw the uh yeah. yeah i saw the the video for jamaican in new york you know and i and i saw it on the mtv right and then i'd heard the chain mm -hmm. gang i'd heard the chain mm -hmm. gang because one of my friend's brothers used to play it and then i started digging through my mom's tapes she had this uh friend in canada in toronto actually wayne vernon he was a dj and he made a lot of tapes with your music on it so you know, a lot of the first reggae and 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 forwards of that nature, even the hip hop reggae hybrid. You know, you were the first uh -huh. I ever. You were the first I ever heard. So when you talk it about sounds. Busy B, Treacherous Three, Cold Crush, I mean, those are the pioneers of what we all get down to today with hip hop. I mean, they laid the foundation, and you were there for it, and you made music then. And and I just wanted to know, like, you know, when you look back. Uh, do you see uh, your own place in this legacy? You know, back going as deep as like rough and rugged in 86, you know, like you're, you're uh, rap you were rapping back then, like emceeing and, and you still make a reggae music. So you see your own legacy there too, I hope. Uh, well, if it's there, it's that away. If it's there, it's there. I'm not really. I'm not really gunning for brownie points like that. Hey, look what I did. Look what I did. Remember? Remember? Back in... No. Oh, no. No. And it cannot be... It, it can't be erased. And sooner or later, those who seek, they will happen upon it. Right now, I'm at a truck stop because I just drove across America to go see my mom. Oh, that's amazing. 
So yeah, how did how did you get hooked up with Jamrock Cruise and, and what are some of your favorite parts of doing that event? It was DJ JFX. That was supposed to go on the first one the first time we heard about it. And then I got linked. There was some linkage with Bias One, Bias Uno from Foundation, right? Okay. And then out of nowhere, I get this phone out of nowhere, I get this phone call. After I speak to JFX and I speak to Bias One, then out of nowhere, I get this phone call from Dan Dalton. Out of nowhere. JFX was supposed to originally be on it. And then out of nowhere, after speaking to him and Bias, I get a call out of nowhere from Dan Dalton, who is Damien, Damien's manager. Okay. And it was on from then. Thenceforth, it was very on. It was, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, I said I could not believe it. Yeah. Rubbed up Disneyland on the high seven seas. That's how it went down. As simple and as quickly as that. I talked to two of my brethren, and then I get a then I get a call from the man of all the manses, and it was a wrap after that, brother. I bet. Yeah, man. You know, it's like seven, five, seven days of nothing but rubber dub Disneyland. It's for serious people. Jamrock Jam is for serious people. It's sexy. It's gangster. It's fabulous. It's glamorous on the high seas, on the high emerald seas. You know, because that's, oh, yeah. that, that's an event that touches people. And then they take that music home with them all over the world. And they take memories home, too. Yes, sir. Lots of good memories year after year. Weed, uh, where you yeah, use Cali that Kaliweed. Kaliweed, yeah. The seals and crops. It's like summer breeze interpolation. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so, because... <laughs> so I wanted to ask, you know, because you live in the States now and, and, and I see you, we both enjoy the ganja. What you, you see the legalization happening, you see, you know, people making money off of it, corporations and shit. And as somebody who's been a proponent of ganja since before it was cool or legal. What are your thoughts on the, you know, the legalization of, of ganja in the U.S.? Everybody that got arrested for it before and put in time, every last incarcerated ganja-related person should be released. Yes, I. Because they paid the price and the sacrifice for something that was deemed so bad and so wrong, but really corporations and governments and powers that be just didn't find a way to tax it yet. So until they found a way to make money from it, it was bad. Now, all who were persecuted for such should be released and given reparations. Everybody who got locked up and was persecuted and did time and, and whether, they're, whether they were just consumers 
or merchants. Now, oh, now it's good because, oh, you found a way how to make money. So, so now it's okay. Now does not make it okay. I will get locked up, forget retro everything. That's, yeah. And that's not just what I feel. Is that not logic? Reparations. Is. is that not logic? This is it not is. emotion here. Logic override. Reparations to all who get locked up. Whether you whether you was hustling or you just a smoker. Energy's got to be balanced. So if those people aren't taken care of, this newfound ganja business is going to go down. Now, it may sound like I'm the new Dick Gregory talking hocus pocus shit. But let me tell you something. There's a thing called energies, and it has to be balanced. And if you don't balance it, it will balance itself for you. And you don't want it to balance itself. itself. You're down. You're down. Same. Yes. I've been put on the wrong side of that equation. <laughs> yeah. Put all energies in its right place, and you will be infinitely prosperous and profiteering. So, like Tennessee, uh, like tennis, no, like Anthony Red Rose would say, Can't say me never did warn you. All let me tell you. Those are some uh, fiery words that people need to hear. And from your lips to jaw ears, you know, balance and energy. I mean, that, that's that's logic and that's karma. So, yes, yes. Seen and overstood. Yo, yes. Check this out. I seen me do some foolishness and some chagrin one fine day. And I see me pay for it later on that same fine day. So yeah, like I did some dumbness and by the end of the day, I was at Tony Screw's house and then it got dark. And then I'm, then I'm riding, I'm riding in the dark and all of a sudden I'm airborne and I'm tumbling down steps on the bicycle. Wow. So, you know, I did some dumb shit that I had to pay for. Right, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Every action has a reaction. All right, my boy. See that? I ain't got to tell you. You already know. Indeed. Yeah, that's wise mm. words. And I appreciate you taking it there, man. And and speaking of, uh, you mentioned on the uh, Wizology show that you're gonna you're gonna voice some Marvin Gaye. I hear. Is that something we can we can tell our our, our readers yeah, about? Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Two joints. I'm clapping. Brother, brother, and and mercy, mercy me. Yes. Yeah, they're they're going they're going on treasure isle, real treasure isle rhythms because there's going to be a real treasure isle shining album. And wow. if the rhythm if the rhythm ain't treasure isle, then you know we had some fun with some stray shots. Hence, a stray shots album. Because <laughs> when you're doing one thing, now you're fun, but you're also a commitment. So we want to go have some fun. So we went and had some fun on some other joints that's not Treasure Isle, not all these classics. Yeah, so we got that off. We piled it up. That's that one in the Cheer Shots album. So it's two. Yeah, I, I'm just so grateful to talk to you on the road in Nebraska, driving, you know, giving us the gems from inside. Uh, you know, you've lived a, an inspiring life as an artist and as a human. And, you know, we're just grateful to be able to hear your story and and speak with you in 2021 but where's the best i know you got like a radio show and and dj where can people connect with shinehead in 2021 you can find shinehead butterfly and, and kingston 12 high five 
at Kingston12HiFi.com. The stations we play on are Unique out of London, Silk Radio out of London, uh, Buzz Passion Radio, um, Skyline, uh, Reggae Global Radio owned by legendary Ed Robinson, and of course, Nice Up Radio on the Northwest Coast. Big up to Mark Nice Up and the crew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sir. Over there, UK. Mikey Cools. Yeah. Yeah. Word. We, we hear you, and, and the enthusiasm has not dulled over the years. You're still fired up. We love to see it. And uh, I'm excited to hear about this Treasure Isle flavor. I mean, uh -huh. the, people, the people need the medicine, man. And, and, and yes, I appreciate it. You know, yes, I. And again, such an honor to speak with you. I want to thank uh, Flair for getting us together and your wife, Diana, for putting us all together. And Michael, oh, yes. A's, everybody. Acclaimed promotions. Got for me, got the boss ladies. Acclaimed promotion, DJ, one papa load butterfly. Yeah, man, you have to big up big bro, Michael Allegretto, because I'm about to go to San Diego in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, man. He's check excited. it out, check it out. Yes. There it is. Well out, well out, well out. Look, watch it, watch this now. Listen this, listen this, listen this. Right in the middle of Nebraska. It's up for life with DJ Begay. Right now we're doing a live interview for the road trip on Jano. I just saw we say Begay. Oh, up for life. Live and direct Friday with Daddy Shine. Yes, yes. Going, going back, back to. It's a pleasure, what, man. Yes, the pleasure was mine, sir. Thank you for the Yes, for sir. The you're voice. welcome. Give thanks. Give thanks. Y'all thank you. Jagai. I'm out. Yes, sir. Up for life. Peace. Yes, indeedy. Whew. What a thrill that was. Chop it up with the one and only Shinehead on his coast-to-coast -coast sojourn, visiting his mom in New York City, headed back to Cali, Cali Weed. And uh, absolute incredible moment when he unexpectedly queued up his Cali Weed rhythm borrowed from the seals and crofts summer breeze joint and laced me up with the up full life b gets dub plate y'all heard what it is man that was like such a joyful experience just in real time when that went down and as you can hear jamaican in new york uh, very, very popular song in the early 90s. Kind of has that New Jack Swing meets uh, Dance Hall meets, obviously, Sting and the Police, but they're borrowing their shit from reggae. Also has a bit of a UK vibe. 
DJ scratches, and and you listen to the man. He told you he was there in the beginning. Uh, Busy B, Starsky, Treacherous Three, uh, went on tour with the Fat Boys, Run DMC. Obviously, a legend in in Jamaica and really around the world, and obviously on the Jam Rock cruise. And on that note, big up yourself, Michael A, Michael Allegretto. We know him, love him from. His production work with Spirit of Swanee music festivals like Bear Creek and Halloween, and he drafted me to help out with his uh, project Urban Music. You've heard me talk about it on the pod, and that's how I connected with Shinehead. So I gotta give thanks and big up, large up, a deep bow of gratitude to Michael A. And thank you to Shinehead and to Butterfly and Flair and the whole team uh, for making Shinehead available to us for both the print article and that interview you just heard. Check out his new stuff. He's got that Marvin Gaye stuff on the way with Treasure Isle and of course the Curtis Mayfield, The Makings of You. He's got a ton of covers, man. I was looking through his catalog and We're going to play something from him on the Vibe Junkie Jam of the Week. We're going to do the Billie Jean dub version from 1986. It's a B-side to uh, the Billie Jean release from Rough and Rugged. Um, So that's going to be the first cut from the Vibe Junkie Jams. And I shouldn't say of the week because it ain't weekly but uh sometimes it's a slip of the tongue there so we got three vibe junkie jams going down billy jean from shinehead 1986 a dub version then we're going to come with ghost in the machine by movie club you heard from movie club on the front end of this podcast you heard jessamine mention ghost in the machine how it deserved its own video and you're going to hear why because it's a really tremendous psychedelic ethereal atmospheric piece of music that i'm quite fond of so like we always do about this time vibe junkie jams one more because since i started making this pod and since i'm to the point I'm recording right now we lost not one but two legendary players in the jazz funk game first it was Pee Wee Ellis made his name he's a crucial member of the JB's on tenor saxophone we got to see him play at Bear Creek as an artist at large thanks to Paul Levine and he you know, did the thing with Lettuce, he played with George Porter, and I mean, so many cats, he said, in Master Sounds, he sat in with at Bear Creek, and then he kind of became a, a quasi part of the fixture here and there, you know, he'd hop on with any number of the bands in the sort of Bear Creek slash Jazz Fest family, uh, and then right as we were kind of just exhaling after Pee Wee, uh, the good doctor, Dr. Lonnie Smith, wizard of the Hammond B3 organ, one of the first cats that I ever heard 
from the Rare Groove era. Uh, he, he rocked the turban, <clears throat> but it wasn't religious. And he had the doctor, but he never got a doctorate. But boy, did he ever earn it and deserve it. And you're hearing him in the background right now doing that Carol King number, I Feel the Earth Move. So I'm going to play a track from uh, one of my favorite Lonnie Smith records, probably my absolute favorite, Live at Club Mozambique. Um, so that's going to be the third and final cut for the Vibe Junkie Jams. I Can't Stand It, Live at Club Mozambique from 71, Dr. Lonnie Smith, master of the Hammond B3 organ, leading exponent of the infectiously rhythmic genre known as soul jazz. He died on Tuesday, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 79 years old. Absolutely heart-filling, gut-wrenching tribute from Will Blades on social today. He was tight with Dr. Lonnie. And if you remember, Will Blades was on the Up For Life podcast uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, Let me dial up what episode that is. But he told some fantastic stories of connecting with and the tutelage uh, from Dr. Lonnie Smith to Bay Area, now in L.A.-based organ maestro, Will Blades. And that's episode 24 of the Up For Life podcast. And it was, uh, I think, November, December of 19. So you can hear some phenomenal stories from Will about Dr. Lonnie Smith. Um, He had this long white beard. He always wore this turban. uh, And he carried himself with this panache and a humble uh, sort of dignity that then he sat down at the organ and would just unleash a torrent of energy and emotion and color and storytelling and and as will stated he could just play one note but there would be so much emotion and intention behind that note and of course he played many notes and he also skipped many notes and lots of good stuff in between so i'm gonna send it off and send him up with his flowers I Can't Stand It, live at Club Mozambique from 71. And that'll do it for episode 49 of the Up For Life podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz. Goodbye, job bless, and we'll see you next time.
now is the time for you. 